Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ashes to ashes. Fun to funky. The Cricket Badger Ashes 2019 podcast, brought to you in association with Cricket 365, with your host James Butler, Cricket 365's Ollie Fisher, and journalist Akash Shivasubramanian. Welcome to the third edition of the Cricket Badger Ashes Weekly. As we look ahead to the Test Match at Lords, always a fine occasion, the Lords Test Match in any English season, but the Ashes makes it even more special. And just before I introduce my terrible twosome, Ollie and Akash, I'd just like to say thank you very much to everybody that's uh, sent in their kind comments, really, on the Ashes Weeklies so far and the Cricket Badger podcast. This is episode number 94 of the Cricket Badger podcast of all time, and therefore I am starting to turn my attention to the 100th edition. I'm going to have something a little bit different. You might call it special, you might not, but it's coming very, very soon to your ears, so stay tuned for that as well. Looking ahead to Lords and to the, this second test match, obviously Australia took the first blood at Edgebaston by 251 runs. We talked a lot about that, in the second week's podcast. We've had a week to calm down from England's defeat. But, Ollie, welcome to the show again. How are you? 
Very good, mate. Looking ahead to Wednesday, obviously hoping we can get some revenge and level up this series. Wednesday's actually my birthday as well, so it'd be a perfect start to the celebrations if we can do well on day one. For it to all be done and dusted on your birthday would be a very short test match. but It uh, is large. It is large. You can't rule it out. Well, let's have a, have a talk about that, because obviously the Ireland test match, which was only a month ago, where England had some problems against Ireland, were bowled out cheaply in the first innings but came back strongly and, and took it by a, a quite a margin with Stuart Broad and Chris Wokes taking the wickets of Ireland in that second innings but in terms of pitches for this Lord's Test match obviously Joe Root was quite dismissive of the unplayable nature or whatever of the Test match against Ireland what kind of pitch do you think the, the Lord's groundsman is going to serve up for this test do you think it's going to be a, a completely different take on it and he's going to serve up a batting paradise I do think it will be different I think uh, Root's comments on the on the pitch after the Island game won't have gone unnoticed and I can't imagine it would do any good you know from, from the groundsman's point of view in terms of how they're perceived externally if we were to have a two or three day test match here I don't think it'll be a bat in paradise uh, because it's kind of rare to get that at Lords. Who knows? It could potentially be a pitch that offers a bit for both sides, and you know that's what we want to see ultimately. Is the ideal, I guess, is sort of a, a first innings pass guard of around about two fifty three hundred. That seems to generate the the best and most competitive Test matches. So yeah, let's hope the groundsman's got it right and we're in for a, for a thriller. Two fifty three hundred. Don't we want four hundred? We want we want centuries, don't we? We want batsmen actually scoring some proper Test match runs the right Test match way. I'll be honest. I'm scared of Steve Smith, so I'm happy to have a two fifty three hundred pitch because that means that he's probably only got half of those. I don't know. I, it's an, it's an interesting one because I think depending on what sort of eleven England go for in this second Test, I think we're going to be pretty bowling heavy. I think we're going to be backing ourselves to take twenty wickets for less than Australia would do. Uh, and that's the way that we're going to win this test match. I think there will be something in it in this pitch for the bowlers, without a doubt. It'd be stupid to make it a road, in my opinion. We kind of need a result pitch at this point. Um, we can't we can't be one down with three tests to go, needing to win two of the two of the last three. So I do think we'll see a result pitch. And Akash, welcome back to you as well. And we were talking just prior to pressing record this week. And while we're doing some maths, it took us too long, to be honest, uh, in all in all truth. But of the 771 runs that Australia scored in that Test match, Edgebaston, 286 were scored by Stephen Smith, 37% of his team's total. England have to remember that he's just a human being, don't they? It's true that England have to remember that he's just a human being after all. But also a point that England have to remember is the others can also perform. And on their day, certainly I think David Warner, if he starts firing all cylinders as we saw in the World Cup, he can uh, certainly score a 100 in, in just a session and then he can turn a game. England must be wary about what Australia can bring to the table. And also, they know their weakness by now. So they know uh, each batsman's weakness, not particularly Stephen Smith, but other batsmen's weakness. So it's, it's going to be easier for uh, England to dominate in the second test than Australia because they know their weakness so they can bowl to their weakness and also they bringing in few changes which is also going to help them so I think it's going to be a exciting game. The pitch doesn't look exciting, but uh, I think it's going to be a good game for both sides. If you look at England, the mindset that England have, obviously they'll, they'll have been di- disappointed that they lost that first test at Edgebaston. But the fact that Stephen Smith was so pivotal and such a genius, basically, in Australia's performance and Australia's win in Birmingham, 
obviously they have to remember the, that he's human and he lives and breathes and he, he hurts and feels like everybody else and he's not immune to failure. So they've got to remember that. But did it paper over the cracks to some extent? Australia have had a very difficult 18 months. They rock up for the Ashes series with a lot of pressure on them. Without Stephen Smith's runs at Edgbaston, it would have been a completely different story. England can take heart from that, can't they? That David Warner failed, the rest of the batting lineup, apart from Matthew Wade and maybe a little bit Travis Head failed and the bowlers didn't blow them away. It's true that uh, Australia did not come up with a complete performance, or and neither did uh, England. So that was the that was kind of the summary of the first test. It, it was Australia's toss uh, which gives gave them an edge. If it was the other way, the game would could have gone the other way. So not a bad test to lose because uh, when you lose the first test, it always gives you your space, your time to know that what is going to come up in the next four tests and your room for the next four tests and you can plan it, plan it out in certain ways. But if you lose, say, uh, the second and third, it, it gives a lot of pressure on the team and on the selectors to make changes. So I think it's good for England if they have to lose some match to, to be the first match and not uh, particularly to be the second or third, which might be crucial for the series. So that's, that's a good sign for England. And also, not necessarily a good sign was James Anderson's injury, which which will give some comfort and some some changes in the team might add Jofra Archer, who might be the X factor for the team. So let's see how it uh, holds up. You mentioned James Anderson there. I was going through our preview, the first show of the Ashes, and we put up our series bets. And my player of the series bet was with Jimmy Anderson, which seems to have lasted only four overs, which isn't the best start for me in terms of our own little competition. The Cricket Badger podcast is brought to you in association with Cricket365.com. They're ethos. We love cricket and want to make the world love it as much as we do. Join them at Cricket365.com. Thank you very much to them for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Ollie, I'm going to stick to you now in the England dressing room. 10 to 10. They haven't had the toss yet. You don't know if you're batting or bowling. But you're going to give a team talk to G up that, that England side and tell them where the weaknesses are in that Australian side and how they can win this second test match. What would you say to them? I'd say, look, if we're bowling first, then we know that we've got the quality within the side to cause them serious problems. And, you know, if we get two or three early wickets and we execute the game plan that I'm assuming we've worked on uh, between the two tests uh, on Steve Smith, and we get rid of him, then um, the rest of the order will, will fold like a deck of cards. So, um, you know, basically just to be to be aggressive in the field and to be chirpy as well, like make it an intimidating atmosphere for them. And if we're batting, then it's just really about doing it in sort of blocks of five runs, I guess. You want to, to get yourself in by just nudging ones and twos and putting away the odd bad ball and just making sure that we, we get to lunch on day one one, two wickets down at, at the very most and uh, building a platform for, for our middle order to come in and, and do a bit more damage and perhaps be able to play bowlers like Nathan Lyon with a bit more freedom uh, because that's what we were we were particularly missing in the first test. It's just about going back to the basics, really, and understanding that we don't have to play a flair style of cricket in order to, um, to entertain people. What we need to do is be, in, be on top in games like we were for large parts of that first test, but we need to stay on top and we need to, to step on the throat when the, when the time's right. So, yeah, definitely just remember that this is a very, very quality side from top to bottom. We're playing a good opponent, so we'll have to be very much on our A game, but there is absolutely no reason why, you know, in four days' time, it shouldn't be 1-1. 
The last time that England lost back-to-back test matches in England was way back in 2008 against South Africa. The last 10 times that England have lost a home test match since then, they've won the next game in the series against the same opposition. England can't play this test match, Ollie, with any fear of failure here. It, five test matches, it might seem like a long series, but if they go 2-0 down, remember they have to actually win this series to re- regain the ashes. That's a huge mountain to climb. This, this second test match could prove pivotal in the, the whole Ashes series, couldn't it? It is huge because, as you say, I mean, we've got to expect a result, really. We've got to expect a result and, you know, whichever way that goes is going to be absolutely massive in terms of determining the outcome of the series. As you say, it's, it's vitally important that England level the series up here and, and make sure that they don't lose because then it is a, a basically impossible task, in my opinion. I think it's simple as well in the sense that this is a, a young England team in a way and and the fear of failure shouldn't be there. And it's up to Joe Root to rally the troops. You know, I've just done some kind of weird thing talk there, but it's up to Joe Root to rally the troops and just say, <clears throat> look, we, we know we're a good side and we're playing at the home of cricket. It's going to be a, gonna be a packed out crowd, hopefully, for, for every single day. And the nation's eyes are on us, but just relish the occasion because ultimately it's it's the ashes and we need a change in fortune without a doubt. But as I, as I just said, there's no reason to suggest that we can do what we did well in the first test, but just make sure we're a bit more clinical and a bit more prolific in, in the right areas. I just feel like this is ours for the, for the stats that you've just read out there. I just got a good feeling about this second test. I feel like it might have lit a a rocket under us and, and we might see a, a rejuvenated and refreshed England going into the second test. That's what I hope anyway. Well, Trevor Bayliss, I'm sure you listen to this podcast. You're more than welcome to clip out Ollie's team talk and play it to the England team prior to the test match starting. Maybe better to leave it to yourself and Joe Root, has to be said. Akash, England will be obviously very aware of the fact that they, they, they have dominated home series in the last uh, 10 years or so. They could take a lot from that, can't they? Australia too will be very aware that England playing on home soil have a good record at bouncing back. It's important to Australia that they just concentrate on their own game and, and try and look back at their Lords history because Lords for Australia is a very happy hunting ground. They won eight of the last 11 test matches played at Lords and the last one back in 2015 they won by 405 runs which is a, it's a crushing margin in terms of test match victories but two of the last three matches England have taken they won in 2009 and 2013 so not all doom and gloom as far as Joe Root's team is concerned but Australia going to Lords it's a happy hunting ground for them they'll be confident they can they can take this one too well they'd be confident after the first game but I don't think this Australian side would be over the top confident that kind of thing because they did dressing room consists of legends so Justin Langer knows how this English team can perform he knows the integrity he knows everything about English cricket because he's been here he's played uh, at least two two seasons of county cricket in the recent past. He knows how pitches are in England. And I think he is the key for Australia this series because he, he knows the intricacies of English cricket and he can tell the Australian batsmen to focus on something uh, on certain pitches, for example, in Lords, how it's going to swing or how it's going to seem. And uh, the way he is going to prepare the Australian side for a test match is going to be a difference that we have not seen in the past. But this time with Justin Langer, it's more of Australians working hard on the pitch and taking session by session and not taking the entire test match per se, which which was what we saw in the first test. They took session by session. And then when you see them performing consistently for sessions, uh, so it makes it much easier. Yes, they, they've, uh, they've failed in many sessions the first test, but that would be the team talk going into the second match, not to fail in every session, to, to perform consistently in each session so that 
you can take the test match entirely. Looking at Australia's team, the 11 they're going to put on the field at Lord's Akash. Got a, a, a serious strength in depth in the seam department. Siddle played at Edgebaston. Cummins and Pattinson were the spearheads in the pace department. I saw Justin Langer saying that he doesn't think that Pat Cummins would be fair on Pat Cummins to play him in all five of the test matches. The chances are that Australia are going to rotate the pack a little bit as we go through this Ashes. Do you see them making too many changes ahead of Lords? And if so, who do you think might come in? And the batting line that looks fairly settled, doesn't it? The only potential change there might be Bancroft at the top of the order with Harris coming in in place of him. But maybe too early to change that too. I don't think they would change the top order. Probably one change that Australia would be reckoning with uh, Lords would be uh, the inclusion of Mitchell Stark, but he's particularly not looked in good form. Even in the in the last two games that they played, uh, he just took two wickets in the entire inning, so I don't think he's in that kind of a form. And also, he's not uh, probably recovered fully as per the talks from Justin Langer, so probably, I don't think Australia would change anybody uh, from the first test, but if they are going to change it, I think there would be only one change, and that would be Mitchell Stark coming in. I don't know for who because all the three seamers looked in good form and shape. So that would be a gamble to take with the inclusion of Mitchell Stark. Are there any changes Australia could make, Ollie, that would make you think, oh, blimey, that's a, that's a tough task for England now. Do you think they could strengthen? I think uh, after the first test, it would be foolish really to turn around and look at the 11 if they were to field the exact same 11 and, and see any huge gaping holes in it of course there are things there that can be exploited but if I'm Australia I'm thinking you don't change a winning team I know perhaps in some instances it's better to be proactive rather than reactive and to you know it's horses for courses and you pick the right players at the right at the right grounds etc but I just don't think you changed that that team from the first test I think they'll all be full of confidence um, they got an amazing result at a ground where they've not had much luck and then they, they'll have their tails up going into this second test at a ground where they do have quite a good record so to be honest, they just got to back that same 11 that they put out for the first test. I think I agree with Akash. I think if they're going to make one change, then Stark would come in for somebody. I know Stark, Stark and Hazelwood took five wickets between them in a tour match against Worcestershire this week. Yeah, they're kind of knocking on the door a little bit. But then it becomes a question of who do you take out? There's no, there's no obvious one out of the three to take out. They all played their role. They all bowled good spells. And then as for the top of the order, I know there's a little bit of pressure surrounding Bancroft, but... Uh, I, I don't see him getting axed after after just one test. I think they'll they'll definitely give him another game. Long and short of it, I don't I don't think they'll make a change. To be honest, I don't think you you change a team that that won a game like that in the first test. I, I'd agree with that. Looking at England in episode two, we talked about potential changes in that England side. Dunnison and Stone out injured. Moen Ali has been dropped after a, a pretty woeful performance at Edgebaston. His form and confidence has just completely deserted him. At, Exactly the wrong time. So Moen returns to Worcester. Jack Leach has come in to replace him in the spin department. And Joffre Archer, after taking that rest, that little sabbatical in Barbados after the World Cup, he comes in to play his first test match. Pretty much predictable. Ollie, probably along the right lines as well, I'd say. In a way, it's perhaps a blessing in disguise that England's hand has been forced in this way with Anderson. Um, we knew that we probably weren't going to get five tests out of him anyway. Um, so obviously he's injured and we'll, we'll see if he plays a part later in the series. But it's good for Archie to get in off the back of, yes, what was a, a second 11 game, but it was a very good display. And of course, he'll be full of confidence from what's happened already this summer. Bowen at Lord, red ball, we'll see how he gets on. He could be the X factor that breaks down Steve Smith's wall. And that would be that would be massive for him, of course. Then Leach 
coaching for Ali, I mean, that, that's the right thing to do for me. Obviously, we talked at length in the last episode about how knowing Ali's confidence is completely shot and he's not contributing with bat nor ball, so he no longer warrants a place in the team. And in my opinion, he's quite rightly been axed. And Jack Leach, well, we'll see how he gets on. For me, he's a far better bowler. And, you know, based on the island test, he actually looks like more of a more of a consistent bat at the moment. Um, so we'll see how he gets on. I fancy him to take a couple of lords at least. Just perhaps one more change that could be made, and that would be the potential of, of dropping Denley and bringing in Sam Curran to give you that left-arm option and sort of bumping the middle order up a place so you'd have Stokes batting four, Butler five, Besto six, and then Curran works, etc. That's one that perhaps would make a lot of sense on paper, uh, and I think it would would basically absolutely front load our bowling attack and it would give us a lot of a lot of different threats. Um, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see Denley getting the chop quite so soon in the series. And I, I think also with us making two changes from the first test, albeit one of them forced, and you know, we talked last week about how England can't be seen to panic and completely rip up the formula that they thought was going to win them this series. I don't think that that perhaps dropping Denley and bringing in another another seamer is something that, that is nailed on to happen. But who knows? Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised to see it. That Sam current change isn't one I'd make. I don't think you need five seamers in the test lineup. I would be worried a little bit. I mean, Stokes is terrific, so is Joss Butler on their day, but they are middle-order batsmen. And you start taking them mm. up into that top order, England could get blown away. I think England would be reluctant to expose that middle-order too early. I think they've done the right thing, to be honest. I mean, I saw a lot of social media comments saying Denley should go, even Butler should go. Wholesale changes required. But too early in a series for that knee-jerk reaction, you've got to, you know, as you said in, in week two, you've picked those players to play the Ashes. You've got to show your trust in them a little bit. Yeah, you do. That's absolutely it. Like we say, it doesn't send the best signs to everyone looking in if we were to make wholesale changes for this test match. Ultimately, like I say, we went into that first test with an idea of the best 11 that was going to win us games and ultimately win us back the Ashes. But if you go into that, like I say, one change has been forced and we're going to see Archer come in. So that may prove to be a, a bit of a blessing in disguise because he could absolutely jump at this opportunity and establish himself for the rest of the series. But in terms of, you know, completely uh, shuffling the pack when it comes to the batting order, we've already seen Joe Root move up to number three. Like I said, I don't think it sends the best message and I don't think it would instill the rest of the players with, with confidence that they're one bad game away from getting getting the chop, basically. You need to be able to have them perform in the best and kind of most stable environment. Yeah, it's arguably the biggest cricket series in the world. Well, not arguably it is. So yeah, it's going to be cutthroat and players are going to be expected to perform. And there'll be a lot of players that will, you know, the, the media and, and fans will let them know about it if they if they struggle again in this second test, if we get skittled again for 150 or whatever it may be. But it's just got to, got to have faith that we're going to put things right. There's players in that 11 with amazing ability, you know, broken clocks right twice a day, isn't it? So uh, fingers crossed we put everything right. We're hoping it's 10 to 2 when it starts at Lords. It's 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning. I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, you've got to show solidity. I think if there is a big collapse at Lords, then that is when you start making the changes. If Denley fails again, etc., then that is when you start looking elsewhere. But at the moment, you've got to stick with what you've trusted to start with. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay 
a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. Akash, across to you for Joffrey Archer chat. Joffrey Archer, he's got that magic. He's got the stardust, the X Factor, a little bit of pixie dust that he sprinkled on that World Cup performance. This is different for him. The Test Match Challenge is different. He's shown every time he stepped up to challenges. He seems unfazed by anything. He's the coolest guy in the world, Joffrey Archer. But this is going to be different for him, isn't it? Five-day Test Matches. If he plays all series, those four Test Matches come thick and fast. There's not going to be many times in his career that he's come back for his second, third, even fourth spell in a first-class match. Do you think he's got what it takes to, to counter that challenge? I think he's certainly got uh, what it takes to be a test match player and certainly showed it in in the in his trial for, for the series. And uh, one thing about Jofra Archer is not only his pace, but his control over his deliveries. We've seen uh, in, the, in the game where he picked seven wickets, his, his control over the deliveries were, were excellent. And the channel that he was bowling, not only bowling the full length, but he was also bowling the short length, which are, which are quick and which are pacey. Which, which could hit the batsman on the helmet and not necessarily on the just their shoulder. So that's one thing that England have lacked in the first match, that raw pace that they always had in one or the other bowlers. I remember Steve Harmonson in the 2005 Ashes series where he, he came in and he bowled at at that pace, which which troubled the Australian batsmen. So bringing back the same thing with Jofra Archer, I think it would be exciting to see. We always talk about Jofra Archer as a bowler, but we've never talked about Jofra Archer as a batsman. As a batsman too, he's capable of scoring a 50 or a 60 in no time. And that's something that uh, the English tail failed to do last time when we saw them. He's certainly a good addition to the team. I think he could be the X factor going into this test match. When you saw him taking his wickets against Gloucester Seconds and then scoring a century against Gloucester Seconds, it almost seemed to me that everybody was suddenly saying, well, Jeff Archer, he's the answer. He's the one that's going to come in there and, and sort everything out. He can blow Australia away. He's, he's got that as I say, the X factor that can do all of that. You have to remember a little bit, it was Gloucestershire Seconds. It was a, a load of Gloucestershire kids, basically, suddenly taking on one of the, the best players in the World Cup. It wasn't necessarily a fair contest, but he, he is a very talented player. The expectation's huge on him, though, Akash. Do you think he can he can cope with that? People are expecting him to come in there, take Pfeiffer, and, and sort out this Ashes series. It's not necessarily as simple as that, is it? It's not just people expecting of him, but also him expecting of him. We've seen him tweet today that he wants to get on the honours board at Lord, so... I think he has high expectations. He set himself a high expectation going into this test match. And the last time he set an expectation like this, we saw it in the World Cup, what he can do. So I think he's got it in him. He's, he's extremely confident for a young bloke. And I think certainly he can be an X-factor. We, we're talking about the seconds, but still he, he's got it in him. He's got the confidence. And when we know that when, when somebody has got the confidence, what he can do on his day. So I think... It's a good call for England to pick him right now because he's he's full of confidence and he's full of the attitude that English side needs. So I think that would be a good addition. Let's see how well he fares in his first test match. In the olden days, going back a 10 years or so before T20 tournaments around the world, you could maybe bring in a wild card to the England side and the other side wouldn't know too much about him. But 
obviously with, with Jofra Archer having played IPL, Big Bash, these Australians, you know, he's been in the World Cup as well. These Australians have faced him numerous times, know what he's about, been his teammates in some of the sides that he's played in franchise cricket. He's not going to be that mystery factor. He's not going to suddenly crop up and catch them unawares, but they've still got to play him, Akash. Well, he doesn't have to be a mystery bowler or he doesn't have to be a mystery element to to be a effect because we've seen James Anderson for most of his career he's not been a mystery bowler every every batsman know how how to play him but still they are unable to play him so that's how much of an effect that James Anderson without any mystery element can bring to the game so I think it is not always about the mystery and uh, with Jofra it's more about drop pace and if Australia can handle drop pace if they can handle bounce if they can handle the aggression that he provides because that's something that we that we missed in the first game the first game we didn't see much aggression from the English side probably one bowler who was aggressive was Stuart Broad and that's it so that aggression against Australians generally works in in your favor so I think it'd be a good good theory contest because when two or three bowlers are pumped up to bowl against Australia it would be good for England and Chris Wokes we know how he can play at Lords. He's been a good uh, bowler at Lords and he's been a good batsman at Lords as well. So I think it'd be an important test for both of them, not only uh, Jofra Acha, but also for Chris Wokes. Hi, my name is Brian Lara and you're listening to the Cricket Batcher podcast. If you were with us for the World Cup, you'll know that we have a little tournament going on as we go through these competitions these days. We're doing exactly the same for the Ashes. Ali Akash and myself putting up our tips. In the week one, we put up our tips for the series and we also picked up our, our tips for the first test match. Not met with a huge amount of success, it has to be said. Ollie went for England. Akash and myself went for the draw. Obviously, Australia winning that. That means it's quack quack coops across the board with that first selection. Ollie went for Duke Broad to be the man of the match. I went for Osman Khawaja to be the top scorer for Australia and for Broad and for Root to uh, potentially be the man of the match. And Akash went for Chris Wokes to be man of the match and Warner to top score. So we've crosses across the board from that first test match. No points gained just yet. But this is for charity. There's still a lot to play for as we go through the rest of this series we're going to have a look at our second test match picks now but before we do that I won the World Cup and I like to mention that every now and again and uh, the Alzheimer's Society for the charity that benefited as a result of my amazing victory I'm going to pick the Alzheimer's Society again for the Ashes. Akash, which charity would benefit if you win this? As you, you've gone with the Alzheimer's charity once again, I've also gone with the British Art Foundation. I think they've been doing some good job in the past and we've seen how much of an effect that they have had in the community and they've had with the people with uh, diseases. So I think I would go with them this time as well. And Ollie, in the unlikely event that you finished off of the table, which charity would uh, benefit from your success? Absolutely no need for that dig at all. <laughs> thought we were all in a charitable mood, but never mind. As with the World Cup one, uh, I've gone with Chance to Shine. Obviously, they're a, they're a cricket charity here in, in the UK that, that work in schools uh, across England and Wales, aiming to get people to develop playing cricket and, yeah, helping local communities. So they, they do a really good thing. And obviously, it's cricket themed. So, yeah, I'll go with them again. Fantastic stuff. It's that Badger style. Looking ahead then to the second test match at Lords, England at 23 to 10 to win it. Draw seven to five, Australia at seven to four. All of the prices I give you are from Paddy Power, and uh, you can have a look at uh, paddypower.com to uh, follow us in on any of these bets. Remember to gamble responsibly if you do so. Strikes me that England at twenty-three to ten. I know it's Lords, and I know they lost the first test match. There was nothing between those two sides though at Edgbaston until that final flurry from Stephen Smith. 
23 to 10 for me seems like a really good price on England and it's the price I'm taking. We have 10 units to go on the outrights and we've got 10 units to spread across the various other match bets available with Paddy Power. My 10 units is going to go on England to win this test match at 23 to 10. I've told you the reasons why the last 10 times they've lost a test match in England. They've bounced back with victory in the next one. Despite the fact it's at Lords, they are more than capable of doing that this week. Ollie, over to you. 10 units. How are you going to play your match winner bet? I agree with you. I like the price on England there at 20, 23 to 10. I'm backing us to bounce back in this for all the reasons that we've stated. I think it'd be a big statement if we managed to do so. And also, yeah, like I say, a very good price. So all units going on uh, England. And Akash, your 10 units? Last time I did a mistake by going with the draw. But, uh, so this time I would go with Australia. And I think they're confident enough to pick the second test. And again, as I said, with Justin Langer being there, that's going to be helpful for them. So I'm going with Australia. It's that Badger style. Right then, guys, we've got 10 units to spread across the various match markets that Paddy Power have on offer for the second test match. Let's start with you, Ollie. Um, with your 10, where are you going to invest? You can obviously split them across various different bets. You can put all 10 on one particular bet. But uh, how are you seeing the second test match in terms of those individual markets? Yeah, so they've got a, a quite good uh, hashtag what odds paddy uh, section where there's some interesting, almost like requester bets that you get with, with football. I like this one. I'm going to put, I'm going to split it in a weird way and I'll explain why. I'm going to put eight of those units on Jofra Archer to take the wicket of Steve Smith in the first innings at 5-2. to two. I just think, like I say, he could be X-Factor and he's going to be the one who's going to get right up in him and he, he won't have any fear of failure uh, because it's Jofra. So, yeah, I quite, I quite fancy that. Uh, I think it's a good price as well. And then there's one towards the bottom. Now, this is quite long odds and that's why I'm only putting two units on it. But it's uh, Joe Root and Steve Smith to be the top team run scorer in the first innings for England and Australia, respectively. And then Jofra Archer and Pat Cummins to be the top team wicket takers in the first innings. And you can get 66 to 1 on that. And I don't see any wow. of those as particularly unlikely. Yeah, obviously it needs four things to happen, but why not? Because if that comes in, absolutely laughing. Good luck with those. Akash, Thank you. over to you. Where are you going to invest your 10 units across the uh, the various match markets? My first five units would be for Patrick Cummins to take five plus wickets in the first innings. The other five is going to be a challenge for me as well. So just looking at the market is really interesting. I would go with this market which says Root and Smith to be top run scorer and Archer and Cummins top team wicket takers first innings at 66 to 1. Okay, my 10 units. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious than you guys. No long prices in here, and hopefully yours lose. And these two are a little bit more realistic. Chris Wokes to take five wickets in the first innings. Chris Wokes' record at Lords is fantastic. Averages about 10 with the ball. It wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to, for him to take a first innings fifer at 6-1. to one. And for me in the England batting lineup, you know my thoughts on Jason Roy. Not a massive fan of him opening in Test cricket. Joe Denley's yet to post a big score. It's probably too early in Rory Burns' Test career to expect him to be massively consistent. So for me, it's between Joe Root and Ben Stokes to be the top England batsman in that first innings. Obviously, Josh Butler, he's yet to really post a decent score of late either. So Joe Root would be the sensible play. I'm going to take five units on Ben Stokes at 6-1, to one, top scorer at Lords. He scored the fastest century in Test Match cricket at Lords. He likes Lords as a cricket ground. Got good memories from a few weeks ago in the World Cup. So five units of mine go on him at 6-1 to one to be the leading England run scorer. It's that Badger style. Good luck with all your bets, fellas. Hopefully uh, you get some losers and I get some winners. And uh, my charity starts to get some money again. Just to, to round off this week, Ollie, we've, uh, me and you have gone for England at 23 to 10. I think that's a decent price. 
On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that you'll see England bounce back with a win? 7 out of 10 confident. I know that's kind of playing it down the middle, really, but I do think we're going to bounce back. Uh, I think we'll iron out some of the flaws that we saw in that first test. Obviously, Lord isn't, hasn't really been a happy Ashes hunting ground for us. I, I still think we've got the ability in the side to, to cause them serious problems, and Steve Smith is not going to bat like that again, surely, if he does then. No, I was going to say something about getting a tattoo, but that's a really bad idea, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Smith, a life-size Stephen Smith tattooed all the way down your back, that'd be, that's your forfeit if Stephen Smith gets a century out of Lords. Remember oh. that, everybody listening. Akash, yeah. you, um, you're our resident Indian living in England, supporting Australia. How confident are you that Australia can uh, make it 2-0? I'm not confident in the first test, but now I think I'm more confident. I think they have a balanced side and uh, not many changes, so I'd be good for them. And they certainly do have the the batting power to, to negotiate English polling. So I think they would do that this time as well and uh, could could probably get a 2-0 up in the series. OK, well, can England bounce back? I reckon they can. I said to you that stat, since 2008 against South Africa, England haven't lost consecutive test matches at home. They've won 14 home series in that time. They've drawn two. They've lost only three, and all of those were little mini-series. In that period, England have won 42 home test matches. They've drawn 11, and they've lost only 16. This is an England side that is used to winning in England, they can bounce back at Lords. Good luck to them, is what I say, and we'll see you after that second test match with our Week 4 Ashes preview. Ollie and Akash, thanks for joining me. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, James. And uh, good luck to you as well if you want to follow us in with any of those bets. Gamble responsibly, do it for fun and do it to enjoy that second test match. The Ashes, it promises to be a fantastic series. There's not a lot between these two sides. We'll be back, as I say, next week with our preview of the third test match. What percentage of Australia's runs did you score in the first test? <laughs> You've got scorecards and calculators. Do it yourself. 284 plus 487 by my rough maths is 771. Um, yeah, you got 286. So. How do you do it? How do you work it out? I had 3.0 and I was like, eh? I think it's more than 3%. <laughs> we scored 300% of Australia's <laughs> runs. My God, he's a genius. It's that Badger style. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.